to this morning's uh, black and white session uh, I hope you've had a restful night and I trust that the Spirit of the Lord that indeed in, um, instructed your heart in the middle of the night uh, let us pray our Father and our God we are grateful this morning we thank you because there is no God like you we celebrate the fact that we belong to you it means everything to us above every other thing so be be exalted this morning be magnified this morning in the name of jesus father as we plunge in your word this morning we ask that your holy spirit will breathe upon our hearts O god and build us up help us to be stronger especially for the days that are ahead of us in the mighty name of jesus let your holy spirit do the work that no one can do, both in the heart and the lives of the speaker and the listener this morning, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, faithful Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Good morning and welcome again uh, to this morning's Black and White Sessions. Atoluanimi, good to see you. Romuiwa, good to see you. Uh, creativity... Uh, last school uh, that should be an Olua boy I think good to see you as well the Lord bless you so this morning quickly because we have got quite a number of things to review this morning uh, last week I started a series uh, that are titled disgraced in search of grace meaning while we are in pursuit of grace uh, finding disgrace in, in pursuit of grace it sounds like an oxymoron how can someone be disgraced while the person is pursuing grace? Uh, in your pursuit of the things that are considered to be honorable, the things that are considered to be righteous, the things that are considered to be great. How does one end up in disgrace? Or how does one have disgrace along the line? And we, 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 we arrived at the point last week where we identified that it is inevitable that this thing called disgraced in parenthesis is part of our Christian walk, is part of our journey. Not everything, not everything will not be working as you expect them to be. Uh, Paul the Apostle was was making an account of his own experience. He had said, you know, in 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 in, in the scourge, you know, uh, many whips, many lashes on his back, in the dangers of the road, in the dangers of the highway, in the dangers of the sea. Uh, he even went as far as in the dangers of believers, even of, of holy men. He even spoke about the dangers and the troubles and the perils that comes from even saints that are also supposed to know about what exactly it is he was going through. So this is a situation where we have something that we cannot avoid. We cannot avoid uh, situations that we don't control. We cannot avoid situations that we wish like God ah, are you no longer in heaven ah, can't you see that I'm doing this for you why is this happening to me that was where we were last week and we ended understanding that according to the word of God 
it does not end in disgrace. Whatever it is that has come your way as a result of pursuing the grace of God, that is peace with God, the agenda of God on earth, regardless of whatever it is that is ongoing, it does not end in disgrace. It will end in glory. Why? Because when we eventually lay hold on that grace that we are pursuing, that grace, which is the stature of peace with God, will produce glory. That grace will produce glory. That was where we were last week, Saturday, uh, or rather, last week, Monday. We were supposed to have done it on Saturday. We did it Monday uh, in the evening. Today, by the grace of God, I'm going to be moving on in the same series. But the topic that I'm really addressing today is called How Much is Enough? Uh, it is still in the same series of disgraced uh, in search of grace. And so the question will be, in our pursuit of God, how much is enough for God? <laughs> is there ever a limit to what we, we should do or can do for God? The things that we have considered as being righteous to do, the things that we have considered as being uh, uh, wonderful to do, great to do, uh, is there a boundary to them? How much of them is enough? Can there be enough to winning souls? Can there be enough to saving lives? Can there be enough to uh, uh, healing the sick? Uh, can there be enough to even building churches? Can there be enough to to, to setting up, you know, all kinds of programs and organizations in the name of the Lord, especially when what we want to do is to do something fantastic. Is there a limit? Is there a boundary to any of these things? You know, let me let me work with you this morning. Uh, please borrow me your imagination for a moment. So someone is very hungry. This person is, is famished. And this person has, you know, in front of him a plate of a sumptuous meal. Uh, and this sumptuous meal, <laughs> it's like prayer answered. Maybe uh, pounded yam and egusi soup or something. I like pounded yam. Uh, but I don't eat it that much. It's kind of heavy. So I, I've, I've gotten to like some other things. But pounded yam is a beautiful meal. Or maybe it's just a plate of beautifully done jollof rice with all the additions, you know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all other things shall be added to it. You know, it's like a plate of jollof rice and all the other things that are added to it like the kingdom, you know. Fantastic meal, you know. But you see, uh, how much of that food, that jollof rice, how much of that sumptuous meal will quench the third, I mean the hunger that the person has? You bring the first plate, it, it will, the first spoon will take, you know, you take the first spoon with the whole, oh God, ah, this is heaven. You take the second spoon, the third spoon, and the fourth spoon, and a whole plate. And then they bring another plate, and then another plate, and then another plate, another plate. It gets to a point where that hunger that was the reason for wanting to eat that meal would have been satisfied. It doesn't matter how hungry you are. It gets to a point where the hunger is satisfied. What will be left will be the desire to eat that food. You see, there's a point where the hunger becomes satisfied by the, by the food. 
and what will be left is the desire for that food the desire for that meat the desire for that rice the desire for that pounded yam beyond that point when the hunger is satisfied what is left is the desire and if an individual goes beyond that desire you know and begin to eat the more out of you know wanting desiring it out of desiring more food it gets to a point where that which was pleasure will become pain that which was once desired will turn into disaster that which was once pleasure will become pain because as soon as the hunger has been satisfied and desire continues to increase the consumption of that food that which was pleasure will eventually become pain that which was a delight will soon become a disaster you see let me give you another example let me use your imagination a bit you have a child a brand new child and this child continues to grow the as the child is growing in length the child is growing in in breadth the child is growing in stature it, the legs are gradually growing bigger the hands are growing bigger everything is growing bigger and this child grew from being a child into a a, a a toddler into a teenager and then into an adult and this child becomes a full blown adult and after becoming the full blown adult this child continues to grow without stopping it means he had grown to five five feet and the person the child continues to grow to six feet and then becomes seven feet and then becomes eight feet and then becomes nine feet and then becomes ten feet what do you think will happen that which was once desired which is the growth in that child will eventually become a disaster in that child that which 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 was meant to be a blessing a plus continuous growth continuous multiplication of the cells in the body of that child will eventually become a problem a medical problem because then the child grows too tall that all the doors that everyone has made will no longer be good enough for the child to, to to I mean for that person to walk through the child becomes so grown so tall and so wide that the regular standards of beds that had been made is no longer enough now they will have to customize a bed for the child now the child grows so tall that every building and every space that has been built now becomes too small for the child to live in and now they would have to build a different building with different headroom and different width the doors will have to be different size we don't even know what size of door we should build anymore why because the child has not stopped growing you can imagine if uh, when a cell begins to multiply and continues to grow without getting to the boundaries of its growth and stopping that is what is called malignancy that is what is called cancer and so at what point does growth become a problem at what point does doing something that is considered to be the will of god doing something that is continued to be the pleasure of god becomes a a a, a distaste to god at what point do the things that we do in pursuit of the grace of god become a problem to us 
at what point is our pursuit of the things that we have seen and understood to be the agenda of heaven at what point do those things become out of place and becomes a pain it got to a point in israel he had given them the law in the book of you know with, with moses he gave them law in the book of in the book of numbers you see them in the book of numbers you see some of them in exodus you see them in leviticus as well he had given them laws and ordinances he had asked them for sacrifices these sacrifices to this at this time of the year the sacrifices at the time of passover the sacrifices at the time of this, the kinds of festivals and these and that that they must do and they began to do it and it got to a point the offering of those sacrifices became more important than the relationship with the one they were sacrificing to and it got to a point god said i see i've had enough of your sacrifices in fact i am irritated by your sacrifices how did that thing that was once a play pleasing aroma that was once a pleasurable thing to the Lord, got to the point where it became something that was provoking the Lord to, the, to hunger. How much is enough? That is what we are looking at this morning. How much is enough? In our pursuit of the increase in the kingdom of God, at what point is our growth becoming cancerous? If we want to, at what point is our outreach and reach becoming cancerous? At what point is the work that we are doing for God becoming a problem to our walk, W-A-L-K, with God? At what point is our, our need to, to serve the people, our need to do what the people desire, our need to do for people what we consider to be right, you know, even in the name of the Lord, at what point are those things becoming a problem? That is what we are looking at this morning. There are boundaries to whatever is done in God, with God, and for God. There are boundaries. I've explained on this channel before how somebody was in dire need and I rose up you know, in, in my heart and just responded to the person's need. And when I was having a need of my own and I went to the Lord in prayer to pray that God, please, I'm having so, so, so and so need. Can you please be, can you help me? And God goes, I, I think I already gave you what you needed for that. And I'm like, God, yes, I remember. But there was Slagbaja who had so 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 need, and there was this person who also had need. He said, When the person was having a need, did you ask me about it? Did you ask me whether I want you to give the money to the person? Ah, and I'm like, That person is also your child now. I mean, this person also belongs to you, God. How is it that this person's need is not important to you? And God says, If that person is my child, truly. If that person truly belongs to me, if that person has a covenant with me, don't that person know how to come to me and speak to me about it? Ha! I realized that I, I was playing God. I was trying to be God in the middle of the matter. No, as somebody that God himself has chosen not to respond to, I turned myself into one that wants to respond to the person. There are boundaries to the things that we do for the Lord. In search of grace, there are boundaries to what we do. Otherwise, there are some disgrace that we may never be able to overcome. There are some disgrace that even when we overcome some, they might leave a scar on us that may never be able to erase. That we may never be able to erase. 
There are some that will live indelible prints upon our conscience, you know, because we are in pursuit of God and we will never be able to escape it. See, in pursuit of God, we must draw the line. We must draw the line of what it is that we can do or what it is we cannot do. For instance, as a believer or as a, anyone that is representative of God, you can pray to the Lord who will answer the prayers. But if God has decided not to answer the prayer, what will you do about it? You want to force a response from God? You want to make sure, you want to force God to answer a prayer that God has not answered? See, a pastor, I just need you to pray for me because, you know, if you can just pray for me, this matter will be resolved. I said, sir, I can pray, but God is the one who answers prayers. And if God chooses not to answer the prayer, there is nothing I can do about it. We must operate in our pursuit of the grace of God, you know, with our limitations, our boundaries in mind. That God is the one who ultimately determines all things. And we do not. And that he is God and we are not. And we should not mix them up. That we represent him does not mean that we can speak for him without him speaking to us. I was having a conversation two days ago about God saying that he is the almighty God who fulfills the, the, the counsel of his servant. You know, I mean, sorry, who fulfills the word of his servant, you know, and brings the counsel of his servants to pass. I read the flip side to that, you know, to the person I was having the conversation with, where the Bible says that, you know, they said certain things, you know, thinking that, you know, God will do it. In fact, let me read it to yours, so that we will understand it. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, please. Ezekiel, if you have your Bible with me, Ezekiel, in, in, in chapter 14, I think, Ezekiel, Ezekiel in chapter 13. Ezekiel in chapter 13. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel. Ah, a prophet is to prophesy against another prophet. And these other prophets are not even prophets of Baalu. They are not prophets of the ungodly. They are not, you know, they are not idolaters. These are prophets of Israel. And one other prophet, who is also a prophet in Israel, is asked to prophesy against other prophets who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own hearts, out of their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 3, thus hear the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophet. So God is not even denying that they are prophets. He agreed that he had called them into the office of the prophet. But he's saying that they are foolish prophets who follow after their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned fertility and false divination, saying, Thus hear the Lord. But the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope that the word that they speak may be confirmed. They hope. They are hoping that what they say will be confirmed. And so in representation of God, this person is in front of you. This person has come to meet you. And this person is pleading with you in the name of the Lord. He's asking that, sir, 
I know God answers your prayer. I need you to please help me talk to God. That God will help me. You know, ask God to help me. And you are moved by compassion or passion, whichever one. And you are moved in your spirit. Because, you know, the gifting of God is you. You are stirred up in the depth of your spirit. Wanting to bring the grace of God that is in your life to bear. Have you checked with God? Have you, have you found out whether that is what God will want you to do? You walked into a city, you know, you know, into an you know, environment in the city, and you hear some of the comments, or maybe you're on social media, you're just scrolling things, and you see certain things people are saying. You hear certain opinions that is now in the city, and you know, or you hear something in the, in, that was said in the church or somewhere, and you know that that thing is not right. And you know, you, you go to the God, you know, you pick up your scripture, and then you found out what it is that was the right thing. And you are so in a hurry, you know, you want to get out there and correct the error. <laughs> That's why people show up on social media and they are, and they are quick to quickly you know, say things, you know, to correct things, to attack things, to speak to things. You see, it's not everything that you know that you have to say, <laughs> it's not everything that God has shown you that you must share. You know, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. The ones that he has shown us are for us and our children. He didn't say it's for Israel. He said it's for us and our children. If the secret things uh, belongs to God, it means God has secrets. And so if God has confided in you and shown you his secret, you must keep it secret. Because if you don't keep God's secret secret, it will stop sharing his secret with you. You know, there are things that he will not be able to do, he will not be able to tell you. You, you. you will also be as surprised as everyone else when it is happening. Because the last time he spoke to you about what he wanted to do, you had gone to town to make a whole lot of noise and chaos about what it is he wanted, he said. What is God? We are the boundaries to the things that we do in pursuit of God. There are boundaries to the things we can do even in obeying God. There are places we cannot go to minister unless God is sending you. There are places you cannot go to do business unless God is asking you to. There are monies you cannot make unless God is saying, son, that is, your, that is for you. I have appointed that to you as a portion. There are ideas that you cannot run with, even when you are graced so to do, not because you cannot do it. You know, people tell you that opportunities come once in a lifetime. When you find the opportunities, you just use them. No, there are not, not every opportunity is yours. Otherwise, you will land in nowhere. There are boundaries in the pursuit of grace, in the pursuit of peace with God, in the pursuit of bringing that which is in the heart of God to reality amongst men, in the pursuit of bringing heaven to earth. There are boundaries. There are things that you cannot do. And God will have to lead you by his Holy Spirit to tell you that of the things you can do. See, though nothing is impossible with God, Though nothing is impossible for anyone who believes. Note that. With God, nothing shall be impossible. That's scripture. And according to scripture, nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. And so since you know God, and you are also one who believes, nothing is impossible to you. But scale of things can actually damage and diminish the value of the same. Scale of things can diminish the value of that thing even though you can do it if god has given you a congregation of one 100 people 
the day that congregation becomes 1,000 people, it will the quality of value that you get from that assembly will diminish. If God has given you 1,000 congregation, and the day that 1,000 congregation becomes 100,000 people, the value that will be obtainable in that assembly will diminish. There's something about increase, endless growth, growth without limits, growth without boundaries that diminishes the value of a thing. It diminishes and sometimes completely damages the value of a thing. You are a pastor and you pastor a hundred people. If you do a timeline, if you do a, a, a breakdown, you can attend to the hundred people one by one. You can actually pray for all of them one by one, addressing the issues in their life. You can take them as projects one by one and address the subjects of their life one by one. The day that 100 people become 1,000 people, you will, have to have, you will have to institutionalize what you are doing. Your ministry will become institutionalized. You need to hire people. You need to ordain people. You know, to do things that you cannot do anymore so that you can be focused on the core of the assignment that you have been given. And when that happens, you have, in, you have brought in more people into the execution of that assignment. You have brought in more people into the, into the delivery of what you have been called to do. And that is the place where everything becomes watered down. You know, the kind of, the way you are going to do the work as the one over a hundred people is not the same with you being able to do the work over one million people. It is just the way it is. Size, scale, uh, uh, continuous growth, endless growth, limitless growth, boundless growth, always diminish value. And it's a hard saying because we want to grow. It's a hard saying. That because we want things to improve, we just want to make more progress. We define progress by numbers. We define programs by numbers, uh, numbers financially, numbers, uh, uh, you know, numerically, numbers in terms of, you know, establishment. But you know that the, if you used to have, you know, maybe all of your ministries uh, return, uh, you know, all of your business return is maybe 200,000 naira per month. You are most likely going to be, be more diligent in how your money is spent. You will ask questions from God before you spend it. You will probably ask questions from your board of directors before you spend the money. Why? Because everything is, you know, you have very limited resources. And you most likely maximize that resource. But you see, the moment you start counting billions in the account of your, of your ministry, it is natural and easy to start to do projects that God did not command. You will start to build buildings that God did not command. You will start to do uh, outreaches that God did not send you to. You will start to extend in, you know, in, 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 in branches. You start to branch out. You start to build more branches and more extension of what you are doing without God asking you to. Why? Because you no longer need to ask God for it. You have the money. <laughs> You have the money to do the publicity. You have the money to build the new parish. You have the money to buy the instruments there. You even have enough money to pay the pastor who will pastor the place. Why not? But have we asked God whether God wants you to go to that place? 
I mean, can God say to them that, oh, they said they wanted to go to a certain place and the Spirit of the Lord restrained them from going? Paul said so. The disciples wanted to do certain things and God, with the Spirit of God will say to them, no, don't do that yet. Just do this. And it will look like, can God be limiting you from doing God's will? No, because within a particular boundary, you get the best value out of what you have. If God is the one behind the agenda, if it is still the work of God that you are doing, if it is still the agenda of the kingdom of God that you are pursuing with your business, with your enterprise, you will indeed have to keep it within certain boundaries. Let me even bring that down. Let's say you are not a pastor and you are not a businessman and you are just a, you are an employee who works with someone. How about in your home? You want your home to continue to grow, right? You want continuous growth in your home. Okay? And so, you married your first wife. Or rather, you married your wife. And then gave back to two. And gave back to four. And then it became six. And then it became ten. Do you think the quality of life those ten we have on the same salary will be the same quality of life they will have on when you have only two children? The more people you have, the less the quality of value that that entity can offer. You will have to share all the minimal resources or the, or, the, or the moderate resources that God has given to you amongst 12 people instead of four. Growth is good. Growth is an addition. And it is not entirely bad. But you see, when growth is not within boundary, there is a problem. How much is enough? That is our contemplation this morning. How much of the good thing that we do in pursuit of grace is enough. How much of the giving, if, 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 the sowing of seed or whatever it is they call it in churches these days, the sowing, the giving of your finances is enough. How much of sitting in church, you know, going to church program is enough. You know, God has given you an assignment to exercise in the nations. And instead of going to the nations to exercise that assignment, you are seated in the church. You are singing and dancing every day. Every morning you resume there. And then every evening you are still there. Even your own family does not have time for you. You don't have time for, to raise your children because you are a pastor. You don't have time to spend with your wife and children because you are doing the work of God. You don't have time to spend with your children to properly raise them in the way of the Lord because you are too busy doing ministry. Or you are too busy being a choir member, a choir master. Or you are too busy being the businessman or being whatever it is. How much of the good thing that you are doing is enough? And I'm not speaking to balance this morning. Because that word balance, I'm looking for another word to replace it. Because it seems like that word has been abused in many ways. It has turned to like trying to balance, you know, that trying to weigh darkness and light together. You know, good and evil and juggle them into an, a comfortable mix. A comfortable mix that will not be a problem as it were. You know, that's what the word balance is beginning to connote these days. So I'm looking for another word. But I'm not speaking to that kind of balance this morning. I'm speaking to clear understanding of what it is God wants you to be and what it is that he wants you to do and the boundaries of those things. He said to a prophet, he said, I have not called you to the people out there. He said, I have called you to the house of Israel. The people that I'm calling you to, they are not outsiders. 
I'm calling you to my own people, is saying to that prophet, do not go out to prophesy to anybody. Stay in the temple. Stay amongst my people. And that is all the jurisdiction that I've given you. Ah, but you see, it will be nice to also share this message with people outside. It will be nice to also take this message to the Gentiles. It will be nice to also take this message to other people. Maybe they can also give their life to Jesus. You know, what is the difference between that man and Saul of Israel? The Saul who went on God's command to go and annihilate the Amalekites. And then he got there, killed as many, and said, oh, no worry, let's bring the king, you know. We will use him, you know, to show you all the kings around that our God is the God that rules above everybody else. Oh, yes, we will use him to show them that our God is the God who can capture everyone, you know. We will be, let's even take all the fantastic, all the fat animals, you know, all these sheep that are very wonderful. They will be very wonderful for sacrifices, you know, to our God, you know. In pursuit of peace with God, let's have them for sacrifices. And the prophet came and goes, Oga, uh, have you done what God asked you to do? He said, yes, indeed I have. Ah, so what is this bleating of sheep that I'm hearing? Uh, oh, no, uh, no, we are. the people brought it. Uh, they brought it so that we can give sacrifices. You know, you know these, the animals are very well fed. You know, they look fat and well. You know, we use them, you know, to give sacrifices to your God. And that God said, is it, is it is a sacrifice that God is asking from you or obedience? Obedience is higher as far as God is concerned, the only thing that God is asking for you, from you and I, as the highest form of worship above any sacrifice. In fact, it is the highest form of sacrifice that you can give to God. Is he asking you to do what you are doing? The good thing that you are doing, is it God that is asking you to do it? Because if it is not God that is asking you to do it, disgrace is bound to come in that regard. Disgrace will come. And when that disgrace comes, you will cry unto the Lord and God may not be able to save you from it. You know, I'll give you a funny story. I think I've shared it before, but I'll share it again. I traveled all the way from Ibadan to Lagos. Then I was in, living in Ibadan and my church is in Lagos. You know, I had borrowed transport money from my mother. That's to tell you how much, how broke I was. I didn't have money to transport to Lagos. But I cannot miss church service. I cannot miss standing at my post, so I borrowed money from my mother, and I took vehicle and went to Lagos. I got to Lagos, and as I was entering the church in Lagos, I said to God, God, you know my heart. I, I needed to be here to do the work that you have commanded me to do, and also to serve you as you have asked me to serve you. Lord, I'm grateful, you know, for the opportunity, but God, please help me make provision so that I can go back home. I don't have money to go back home. Please help me. And I entered into the service. That's me entering from the gate. As I was about to enter the church, you know, main door into the building, into the auditorium, someone met me, ah, I could have found it. And I said, ah, fine, I'm fine. Oh. And he said, oh, you see, ah, come, 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 come. There's something I've been wanting to do. And he just reached into his pocket, brought out an envelope and gave it to me. Ah, it means before I even prayed, before I ever said anything to God at the entrance, it was less than three minutes, three to five minutes. Before I even said anything, God already made the provision for how I was going to return back home. He gave me the envelope. I carried the envelope. Ah, I said, thank you. So I'm grateful. I put the envelope in my pocket. During service, as we were doing service, they said it was offering time. We should give offering. You know what I did? I took the envelope and put it inside the offering bowl. And I said, you see, God, in this offering, I'm giving you my haul, you know, so that you can give me your haul. You know, God, I want to bless you with this, my offering. And I pray that God, you will, you will indeed increase it. 
You know, you also bless the person that gave it to me. In fact, I'm sowing this seed on behalf of the person that gave me the offering. God, you will help me. And you know, in the name of Jesus, I dropped the offering. As I came out from the church, it was time to return to Ibadan. I had no transport money. So I lifted up my voice again and said, God, please, I'm going back to Ibadan. You know, like I said to you before I entered the church service, I needed to go, I need to go to Ibadan back. Please be kind to me. You know, can somebody please send someone to help me? And the Holy Spirit said, what do you want me to do for you? You asked me for help. I gave you help. And here you are again asking me for the same help. I gave you help. You threw it back at me. I, I gave you money and you threw the money back at me inside the offering book. What do you want me to do? I, I said, God, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't, you know, I was sowing a seed. I was giving you my heart. You know, like David poured down, poured out the, the water they brought for him from the wells of the Philistines. Eh? That David poured it out before you in honor, in sacrifice to you. That was what I was trying to do. And God said, no, I don't know about that kind of sacrifice. You asked me for money. I gave you money. You gave me back the money. So find your way back to Ibadan. My brothers and sisters, I trekked from Akilo. I trekked from Akilo in Oba. I trekked to Bega. If you know Lagos very well, I trekked from Akilo to Bega. When I got to Bega, I stood at the bus stop praying, hoping that somebody will stop and give me a ride to Ibadan. I was standing in the sun for over four hours. The sun was hitting my head. I was fainting. I was fainting. Nobody stopped to give me a ride. I had to. I, I left the roadside. I went into one uh, under underneath one uh, um, uh, uh, um, pole, uh, power power pole, and I stood there, cried and repented. I said, "God, okay, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry that I was too stupid." You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, whatever it is I was trying to do, I'm sorry. I will not do it again. You know, I apologize. I said, okay, but God, please, I need to get to Ibadan. I, I need to get to Ibadan. Help me. Help me. Please. I came away from that place after my repentance. And a Mercedes-Benz guy, a guy driving a Mercedes-Benz E-Class just parked in front of me. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Ibadan. I said, hop in. Come, come on in. Come on in. And then I entered. As soon as I entered, <laughs> the guy said, "Oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm just I, I need to have a meeting in Ibadan and all that. I, I just I'm just looking for someone that we can be gisting together as, as I drive, you know, so that I won't slip off, you know, and all that, you know. So you know, let's let, 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 let's eat the road. It didn't take five minutes. I slept off. It was when we got to Ibadan that the guy woke me up. That you slept off. I said, sir, you have no idea. But thank you for bringing me to Ibadan. I said this to say that while I'm trying to do what I consider to be right." In pursuit of grace with God, in pursuit of obedience to God, I was doing the wrong thing. There is boundary. There are boundaries to the things that we can do. Even the good things that you can do in the name of the Lord. Even the good things that you can do for people in the name of the God. Even the ministry and the assignment of the kingdom that you want to do, you have your boundaries. Stay within those boundaries so that disgrace will not come. If such kind of disgrace comes your way, uh, it can end in disgrace so unless you repent. I'm going to read a scripture for us today because I haven't read any scripture except the ones in Ezekiel. And it will paint a picture of what I'm trying to share this morning. And that is where I will round it off tomorrow. But I'm sure you got the jinx of the message today. That regardless of what it is that you are trying to do with God and for God, there are limits. There are boundaries to it. I'm reading from the book of Job. 
I'm reading from the book of Job in chapter 31. Job in the 31st chapter. If you have your scripture, you can flip there with me. Job in chapter 31. And I'm going to read from verse 1. Job in chapter 31. And I'm going to read from verse 1. Right? Job speaking in this scripture. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? <laughs> now, is there, is there a crime in looking at a young woman? No. He has made a covenant with his eyes not to look at a young woman. For what is the allotment of God from above? And the inheritance of the Almighty from on high. What is God's inheritance from on high? Is it not the destruction for the wicked? Hey, that is the instruction. That is the that is the inheritance of God. The destruction for the wicked and disasters for workers of iniquity. You know, I told you the last time, one of those times I've shared with you, that workers of iniquity are also workers. They are doing things for God. But they are not doing it according to the will of God. And so, even though it is a good thing they are doing, it is regarded as workers of iniquity. It's regarded as iniquity. And that's why Jesus said that those ones will come to him and say, Oh Lord, but I did this in your name, I did that in your name, I did this in your name, I did that in your name. And he will say to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. It means the things they were doing were supposedly in pursuit of grace with God. But see, no... It was regarded, as far as God is concerned, as works of iniquity. You know, the Bible says the inheritance of God is the destruction for the wicked and disaster. You can call that, you can replace that with disgrace. And disaster for the workers of iniquity. Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Job speaking. If I have walked with falsehood, or if my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed on the honest scale that God may know my integrity. If my steps are stirred from the way or my heart walked after my eyes, meaning if I am doing things the way I will love to do it, the way it seems great to me, the way it seems good to me, not how God wants it. He said, let so, 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 and so be his portion. That means to even do things according to your own desire can be a lot of problem and it's a dangerous thing when people start to pray and say to god that god you know you say that you will never deny us the desires of our heart hey you don't want to have the desires of your heart i i beg you i i, I plead with you graciously because you see if god were to give you the desires of your heart you might just find yourself in a very irreversible disgrace irreversible destruction because of the desires of your heart. Job here speaking. He says, if my step are turned from the way, or my heart walked after my eyes, or if any spot adheres to my hand, meaning a stain adheres to my hand, then let me sow and another heat, and let my harvest be rooted out. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another, let others bow down over her. For what will be wickedness? Yes, it will be iniquity deserving of justice. For that will be wickedness, sorry. For that will be wickedness. Yes, it will be iniquity deserving of judgment. For that will be a fire that consumes to destruction and will root out all my increase. Meaning, you do certain things because you consider them to be good. You can just be, you can be doing things that will take out even your own increase. If I have despised the cause of the male or female servant, 
when they complained against me, what then shall I do when God rises up, when he punishes, how shall I answer him? Did he not, he who made me in the womb make them, did not the same one fashion us all in the womb? See, if I have kept the poor from their desire, or caused the highs of the widow to fail. You see, many of the things that we do in the name of the Lord, in the name of growth, in the name of having more progress, is actually damaging certain people. It's putting certain people in difficult situations. Some of us are earning more, more, more profit at the expense of the men and women who work for us. More profit at the expense of men and women who do certain things for us. You know, said a young man wanted to print, you know, was going to make some, you know, bags for me recently. And we were having a conversation. And he was like, he had given me the price that it was going to cost to do it. And then he goes, I said, so what, how much is your own? You know, he was going to do something that was going to cost maybe about 200000 And I said, how much will your own be? He said, no, you can give me 10000 naira." And I said to him, I said, Oga, are you crazy? You want to do a job that is worth 200000 and what you want to take home for doing that job is 10,000 naira. Is something wrong with you? Okay, don't worry. We will give you so, so, and so. Because you see, some of the things that we consider as profit, as gain, some of the things we consider as being, able, being good at negotiating ourselves out of, it, out of things, negotiating our way out of things, is actually putting certain people in very difficult situations. He put in certain people, you know, I, I, I was sharing the story of someone who was probably because she's in despondency had asked her to come and do some cleaning. And the lady said, you know, she was going to take 10,000. So I negotiated and she took 5,000. And then when I saw the scale of work that she was going to do, I myself, my conscience pricked me. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't be negotiating with this woman. What she wants to do here, if she was paid 10,000, it is, it is worth being paid 10,000. You know, because you see, some of the things that we consider as addition to us may actually be things that are, that, that are deserving of the judgment of God in the pursuit of grace. And by the way, the money that you want to get from that your enterprise, you plan to give it in church. You plan to use it to do the work of God. You even plan to preach the gospel with it. So it's not as if you want to use the money upon your own lust or your own pleasure. You want to use the money for God. But how exactly are you getting it? Praise the name of the Lord. They, uh, uh, Job said, If I've despised the court, okay, no, I've said that. If I've kept the poor from their desire or caused the heights of the widows to fail or eaten my muscle by myself, ah, can I not eat my food for myself? Didn't I walk for the food? The Bible says, He that does not walk should not eat now. Now I have walked. Am I not, don't I have the right to eat my food by myself? Of course I do. You know, but you see, he said, If I have eaten my muscle by myself so that the fatherless could not eat of it, but from my youth, I read him as a father, or from my, or from, or from my mother's womb, I gathered the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or any poor man without covering, if his heart has not, has, has not blessed me, and if he was not warned with the, with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, when I saw I had help in the gate, then let my hand fall off from my shoulder. Let my hand be torn from the socket. For destruction from God is a terror to me. And because of his magnificence, I cannot endure. You can read that scripture. You can read that scripture continuously. And you see how many wonderful things that Job was speaking about. How many things that we do today in pursuit of God? How many things we do today in, you know, because we want to do something great you know, in our work with God? And those things, according to even Job, 
you know, were things that were deserving of the judgment of God. There are boundaries in the things that we do. There are boundaries in our growth, in, in you know, our, our institutional growth. There must be boundaries. You know, if you check in the scriptures about uh, the, you know, um, okay, let, 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 let's, let's, let's use this one. Uh, Act of Apostles in chapter 6. Verse 1, Act of Apostles in chapter 6, verse 1. You know, it was the stories of the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, you know, complaining that because they have increased... In fact, let's read it. Acts of Apostles, chapter 6. Acts of Apostles in the 6th chapter. Maybe that will even give us an idea of what I'm talking about. And, you know, sit it in Scripture so that you won't think this is just a, you know, an idea from a Kundayo. No, I'm speaking from Scripture. Acts of Apostles, chapter 6, in verse 1. Now, in those days... When the number of the disciples was multiplying. Did you see that? The numbers of the disciples were beginning to multiply. They were having growth. They were increasing. You know, explosively. They were increasing. And when the numbers of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. That because their widows were, uh, were neglected in the daily distribution. When you have increase... All kinds of things that were not there before will start to show up. When you start to increase in the amount of money that you have, things that you didn't know before, things you were not experiencing before will start to manifest. It's just natural. And what the disciples do here, the Bible said, so that they will not have to, you know, be doing, you know, and um, therefore, brethren, okay, so then the 12, that's the 12 disciples, verse 2, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. You know, they were wise guys. They don't want to leave their core assignment to be pursuing tables, to be distributing tables, to be doing things on the table. Mm -mm. What they simply did was, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, meaning they chose to stay where they were. But you see, they will have to delegate the responsibility of welfare to other people. And you see, they are asking for faithful men, but they don't know what kind of men they might be. What if one of them is like Judas? What if some of them even stop doing the work? How is that going to increase? Because you see, the more you have increased, the likelihood that the quality of value that you get will diminish. In verse, in verse, if you go to verse 8 of that same scripture, you see, and Stephen, Stephen was one of the people that was chosen. And Stephen, full of faith, power, did great wonders and signs amongst the people. Stephen was supposed to be serving the table. The moment the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was no longer serving the table. He became a minister. He was filled with the Holy Spirit that was ministering until he was martyred. He was killed. How about Philip? Philip too was one of the people that was supposed to be on the same table. He was supposed to be filling the table. Filled with the Holy Ghost. The guy became a missionary that was preaching the gospel to the Ethiopian Enoch. You see, it boils down to the fact that even those that you will appoint to do the work of the tables, even those that you will appoint to take up institutionalized roles because of the increase, which will likely find God in the middle of the work they are doing. And they will most likely leave those assignments to pursue God also. Because at the end of the day, instead of owning too much and aggravating, aggregating too many things in the name of growth, we should replace development with growth. It gets to a point where growth should be enough. It gets to a point where growth should be enough, where what we seek is development rather than more growth. Where those that are already grown can be developed into 
stronger stature, into better people, into more valuable people, rather than continuous growth. Because if we continue to have continuous growth, we are going to continue to have diminished value. Until we bring the people that have been gathered, until we bring the, the blessings that we already gathered, until we bring the, 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 the profits that has been gathered, and we consolidate on them, and develop them, and equip them, and release them. Instead of aggregate, aggregating them to ourselves, we will continue to have less and less value. That which is of God also has boundaries. That which is of God also has its limitation. In financial matters, you must have limitations. What you cannot spend your money on. The things that you cannot do with the money that God has given to you. In emotional relationships, you must, you must in familiar relationships, you must have boundaries. In doing the good, you know, there was a king in scripture, Jehoshaphat, you know, who was allied with Ahab, the king. And when Ahab was fighting battles, you know, Jehoshaphat came out as son-in-law, you know, and came to, you know, fight with him, you know. And they saw, they, Jehoshaphat asked them to seek the face of the Lord. They sought the face of the Lord. And they found out that God was going to kill the king. Still, he was not going to win that battle. But the king was stubborn. He still went into the battle. But you know what he did? You know, he gave his own chariot and his own robe to Jehoshaphat and, and dressed like another person. If Jehoshaphat was almost killed, he was almost killed because the enemy was targeting his chariot until they opened up, oh, no, that's not the king. That's another king now. That's Jehoshaphat now. We don't have a problem with you. And another person drew his arrow and found the king that was going because the word of God had already gone ahead, you know, and killed him. You see, even in your relationship for the sake of good things, in your alliances with people for the sake of the kingdom, in your joining forces with people for the sake of doing, doing the will of God, there are boundaries. There are things that you should not do with them unless you understand what is going on there. There are things that you should not put your hands in unless you are going to share. If you don't check those things, you share the disgrace. You share the disaster with them. God forbid that you and I share that, you know, in the mighty name of Jesus. There is a corrupting boundary. You know, John said, there is a corrupting bound, there is a corruption that is bounding everything that is on this earth. Anything that is in this earth, as long as it is material, it is capable of corrupting anyone. As long as anything is material, it is capable of corrupting people. As long as it can be defined in numbers, as long as it can be defined in, in, in magnitude, in size, it can corrupt anyone. It has the capacity to corrupt anyone. And so in the pursuit of any of them, so that you can use it to pursue God, know where your boundaries are. Know the works that you cannot do. Know the jobs that you cannot do. Know the works for God that is not your calling. You know, don't enter into the prophetic role because somebody is in need of a prophet. When you have not been called into a prophetic role, don't go and give prophecy to somebody because you, you have a desire in your heart or you are motivated to do and you are now praying that that thing that you have said that God will do it. God will not do it too. And shame is what is going to come at the end of that. Don't go and enter into ministry because you see a need. No, don't enter into ministry because there is a need. Enter into ministry because God has specifically asked you to do so. And even that which God has asked you to do so, there's a boundary. I've heard, I mean, there have been stories of brothers who are trying to follow up sisters. And in the process of following up the sisters, they become the one defiling the sisters. Why? Because they have not, they have not mapped out the boundaries of their engagement. You know, they are going to the sister's house to visit the sister. 
and gradually the sister is cooking food because brother is visiting and gradually the sister is asking them oh there is no chair today somebody has collected the chair that is in the room okay can you sit on the bed while you eat the food and gradually before you know what is happening the pastor is receiving food from the church member to break the fast and while he's bringing, as receiving the food to break the fasting, gradually the pastor is finding out that his wife at home does not know how to cook as well as the sisters in church who are cooking for their pastors during, during fast. <laughs> there are boundaries to everything that we do in the name of the Lord. You know, you are allowed to ask for venison from your children, not venison from anyone. You know, you have to receive things from your own children, your own household, your own family, not someone else. Before you start to do things outside the boundaries of the will of God and you begin to bring shame to the Lord and then disgrace and disaster comes coming calling at your door. Everything that you want to do for God, be sure that God is the one asking you to do. If God is asking you to move, it's a good thing to jack up. I tell anyone that I know, see, at this situation that we are in Nigeria, if you have the opportunity and you have the privilege to go and improve on yourself, to go and not necessarily to run away from the problem of not... See, there is hunger problem everywhere. There is societal problem everywhere. Most of the things that we are dealing with in Nigeria, there are higher versions of those things in the places people are running to, to Jakba. Believe me, I speak as someone who knows, not just someone who hears. I know. Do you understand? But you see, if God, if if, it, if you have the privilege to take a break from Nigeria and go somewhere to, you know, to calm your head down, go somewhere to rethink your journey, go somewhere else to improve your quality, go somewhere else to, re to learn more, to, to add value to your children or whatever it is that you choose to do, please do so. But be sure that whatever it is that you are doing in the name of the Lord, in pursuit of God, that it is the will of God. Because if you step out of where you are to go to somewhere because it is a good idea, and at the end of the day, it will give you more opportunity to be able to do better ministry better. You'll be shocked that when you land in those places, you will not be able to do ministry there. You know, I remember the first time I ever went to England. You know, it took a, several minutes of Google searching to find a church. For me to find a church I can attend on a Sunday. And I had to take like three trains, three lines on the on, on London uh, uh, in London train stations. I had to take like three three lines from one line to another, another line to another, to cross uh, crossing from one line to another before I can locate the church. When I eventually got to the place where that is the church where I want to worship God, I was so disappointed. This is this church, and there you are here in Nigeria. That in fact, except you don't love God, there is church everywhere. If a redeemed Christian church of God is in like every five minutes walking distance, just take a look around you, you will find one. And in case you don't like those ones, there are popular ones all over the place. You see their logos, you see their signboards, you can go to any one of them, their doors are open. Here, it's very easy to find. You don't even need Google to find them. But you see, some of the places people are going now, their education system is teaching their children how to, how to, how to uh, 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 identify themselves in about over a hundred gender types. You know, and you see, it boils down to the issues of what the good thing that you want to do is God the one commanding it. If God is not commanding it, you are likely to put yourself in problem. I pray that the mercy of God will prevail for you and for me, and all that we do will be within the boundaries that God has set for us in the mighty name of Jesus. This morning, I want you to pray and I want you to run your life by God. You know yourself better than anyone could. You know yourself better and God does God knows you as well. Speak to the Lord this morning and speak and tell him, God, I think I am in, in, in trying to do good things. I have I've, I've done too many things that are offensive to you. Sort your matter with God. 
resolve your issue with God this morning. Set the, settle the issue like I did that day that I had to repent, you know, before God sent help to bring me to battle that day. You know, ask God to help you. Repent. Tell him that, God, I'm sorry in all the ways that I've gone out on the frolic of my own, even trying to do your will my own way, trying to do my things your own way, trying to do your things, rather, my own way. Have mercy upon me, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, be merciful to me, O God, this morning. In every way that I stretch out of my 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 my, my privileges, in every way that I stretch out of my 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 privileges that you have given to me, in every way that I've tried to do good as you have commanded me, even outside of your will, please forgive me. Have mercy upon me, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, have mercy upon me, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I I ask for mercy this morning. I ask for mercy this morning. In the name of Jesus. Now, haven't asked for mercy from God. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to bring you out from wherever you are and to the place of His glory. Ask Him to bring you out from wherever you are and bring you into His full glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ask Him to step into your affairs and resolve every issue that seems hard to resolve. And resolve, resolve every issue that is tending towards disgrace. Every issue that is tending towards shame. Ask him to, by his grace, replace them with his glory. That by his grace, he should replace them with his glory and bring you back into the, a, a good place, into a large place, into a roomy place in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I ask this morning for help in all the places that I have, been, that I have burnt my fingers. In every places that I have done wrong, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask that this morning, Lord, you will help me. In the name of Jesus, arise from me, O God, and let every disgrace and shame and disaster that I've put myself into, let them be translated by your grace today to glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, faithful Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Our Father, we are grateful this, this morning. Thank you for your word. That you have set for us a boundary. Even in doing well, even in doing good, even in doing your will, we must stay within the boundaries that you have set for us. We thank you. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you will continually help us from here henceforth. Restore us, O oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And send help to us to bring us out of this disgrace, to bring us out of this disaster that we have found ourselves into the place of your glory, by your grace, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, faithful Father. To you be all the glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. And amen. Thank you all for staying with me this morning and for sharing this moment with me. I, I do hope that this word is building, is adding to you, is building you up. Uh, please do share this with other friends. Share it with every other person that you know might be in need of this word. Let's not just keep it to ourselves and invite them. Invite them to join, you know, us, you know, so that we can study more and learn more. And the Lord will continue to help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Uh, by the grace of God, we'll see you again uh, next week, Thursday, uh, for Life by the Word. Uh, and I'm looking forward to a very wonderful time of studying the scriptures with you. I pray that the Lord will be merciful to us all in the mighty name of Jesus. I've seen ev everyone that has joined this morning. Good to see you. Uh, uh, Barista Briggs, good to see you, ma. Ogade Tunji, good to see you. Auntie Biola, good to see you. Pastor Bimbo, good to see you, sir. Uh, Pastor Tolu Animi. Good to see you, my wife. Good to see you, Muiwa. I don't know whether I'm supposed to add uh, Apos Muiwa to yours now. <laughs> Apos Muiwa, good to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful morning, everyone. Uh, uh, let me see on Instagram. Okay. Auntie Anu on Instagram, good to see you. The Lord bless you, man. Have a wonderful Saturday morning. 
And please do spend good quality time with your family today. God bless you. Have a good one. Bye.